Ladies and gentlemen, hello again and welcome back to Don't Worry About the Government. My name is Chris Novembrino. It's been a minute. How have you been? I am joined here today by Brian Halverson, who is off camera today. Uh, well, we don't need to get into it while you're we off could. camera. We could. I mean, okay, you got MRSA. You got yeah, MRSA, and I don't yes. want to put you. I don't want to put you on camera when you yeah. got. We have a standing policy here on this show, in particular, about skin maladies on the face. And uh, when you I have mean, one, you don't have to be on camera on this show. Uh, let's just say I kind of wish this this happened around the Halloween season. It would have it would have gone well in a variety of scary costumes. I could have just walked around and people like that's great makeup. Uh, uh, but no, it's, it's not anything I'm doing us all a favor. Uh, I hope the next time, yeah, (laughs) next time we see you're going to come back with like eye patch and like vicious face scar and shit. Yeah. man. Be gnarly. That'll also like pave the way for when you become like a villain in like an action movie or something like that. Well, I am thanking my, my lucky stars for two things. Number one, that this happened, that this did not happen under the extreme middle of covid season uh i'm concerned how much i would have delayed going to the hospital and then how quickly i could have been seen maybe this could have been done virtually but i'm predicting there were certain points of the covid season i would have been in a bad way but also the fact that uh i have a spouse who is even checking up on me i am i i think i would say if i was still a single person i would be very bad at 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 caring for myself in this way just noticing that something was escalating and putting it off uh i this could have been very bad if i was if i did not have a very good spouse checking up on me yes it sounds Uh, like yes you you do have a very good and loving and caring spouse on your hands and also when you told me i immediately went into all of my safety measures for for MRSA and staff because i live in paralyzing fear of it because I got it back when we were in college. Uh, I got a really bad case of it when I was supposed to be taking Spanish in college. Like I was doing the accelerated Spanish and about two weeks in. So we had completed semester one of the four semesters of Spanish. Two weeks in, I've been going out and bike riding all summer. Got staff. Thought I had been bitten by a mosquito. And um, all of a sudden, like, there were sites colonized all over my leg. Uh, and, mm. dude, it was really bad. It started working its way up my leg. It, it, was, uh, it was a precarious and scary uh, June and early July. And then I was, like, pumped up on, I remember one of them was called sulfameth. That made me feel real bad. Um, and then, like, all the standard antibiotics, ointment. Um, I've had a couple of, uh, recurrences of MRSA since then. So now I, I order Hippoclens and I use Hippoclens as my standard soap or, and like, I make a blend of Hippoclens in like, you know, like old spice or whatever. Doesn't smell, um, amazing. Doesn't smell horrible, but it's not like, you know, like an aroma you'd want, but, uh, I, I'm more like, Dude, I just never want to ever get staff. Uh, right. So when you told me that, I was like, "Oh God, uh, that's horrible." Um, staff, staff. As scared as I am about COVID, staff is just like this constant, like lingering background fear for me. Uh, so I, I, I definitely feel you, dude. Um, 
I'm wishing you a speedy recovery, of course. Well, thanks. And also, in, in the day of antibiotics, I can just imagine, like, uh, when my daughter is my age, what, what is Mercer going to look like? Uh, just as, as antibiotics are continually leaned on, just more and more and more. And Mercer becomes even just more aggressive. Uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, my goodness yeah no uh, th th this is a problem that's going to get worse for people uh just continuously no it's uh staff is no joke uh proper all hygiene right. people proper hygiene <laughs> good grief all right so today's show is a one topic show there's actually a lot going on domestically that i when time permits i'm going to circle back around on whether we are talking about the Supreme Court or we're talking about uh, what has gone on here in Texas, obviously the new extremely anti-trans law um, or executive order getting passed by Greg Abbott, um, which happened to drop at the same time as another major story that affects Greg Abbott, uh, where he was doing some inside dealing to the power companies here uh, with ERCOT, uh, the, the energy coalition of Texas. I, I don't know what ERCOT stands for. I, I wish I knew that off the top of my head. But um, basically, there's a lot of stuff going on in Texas. Texas Republicans are really bad, y'all. I've, I've been telling you this, um, and that very much remains true. Supreme Court nomination uh, is real interesting right now. Uh, Joe Manchin is... Up to his Joe Manchin-y antics at this point, looking like he is pushing for the Clyburn and Lindsey Graham preferred nominee instead of the more progressive nominee. Um, and that may just be a prelude to scuttling whatever Joe Biden wants to do, period. But those are some of the many domestic stories that we are not going to be able to get to today because... The one topic that I think we need to meaningfully explore on this show, and I just want to like leave the mental bandwidth for, is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, on the last episode, I somewhat foolishly uh, thought that the odds of Russia actually invading Ukraine were about... 30 to 40 percent um i had a, a under a coin flip close to a coin flip but like not at a coin flip like i thought russia was building up all these troops on the border i did sort of continually in tumult like they're not doing it for nothing like like clearly there's something going on here like leaving your options open uh and in the same way that like if the united states had been building up troops along the canadian border the canadians should have been a little bit worried about that i think the ukrainians were right well, to be worried about that and that's been well hard. with with putin you can see an immediate economic incentive just to put troops at the border the price of oil goes up so if you want to if if you could just say does putin have a short game in just putting troops on the border and it not going anywhere else yes he does so it does make sense to consider that as just his his complete end game like the goal was to put troops on the border the oil goes up i, I pulled the troops back oil stays up uh, uh yeah, no if he had done that like basically if he had saber rattled <laughs> uh you look at the russian stock market the saber rattling was actually really good it was leading to a major rally in the russian stock market which only has now fallen off a cliff now that Russia has actually invaded Ukraine. 
Uh, so it, the the short-term play could have been there. Uh, and I think it's definitely worth ruminating what Vladimir Putin wants. Why not start there? So, so often the American discourse has gone in very weird directions of, are we going to send troops and should they reinstate a draft? And like, before we even consider any of those things, let us consider what it is that Vladimir Putin wants here. And on the last show, to give the hat tip to William West, I, th I think the right answer here is that Putin never accepted the defeat of Russia as the Soviet Union in the late 90s. Uh, you know, he is an ex-KGB guy. And when you listen to his meandering, uh, I, I, you appreciated this reference, uh, the ghost, the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past like speech that he was giving to Macron, where he was going <laughs> thousands of years ago into the future, Russia was once structurally attacked and went on for like hours and hours and hours. I think the whole cybernetic ghost of Christmas past <laughs> Putin thing uh, it was indicative one that I enjoyed Aqua Teen Hunger Force a lot in college. Yeah, Chris, first, I, I think this is worthy of a, of a of a drop. Well, this is going to take a long time, so you may want to get some snacks. No, no, that's all right. I think I can wait for it. Well, I'm going to get food. Thousands of years ago, before the dawn of man as we knew him. Putin basically in the prelude to this was talking to world leaders and giving these extended thousands of years ago into the future sort of speeches to every world leader who would listen about why, you know, Crimea, Georgia, um, and now Ukraine and these breakaway regions, why historically these are all part of Russia. Uh, and I think William was basically on the right track here with that. That So, you know, it, it, for example, if I'm Moldova right now, which is right next to Ukraine, I'm extremely worried uh, okay, that so, Vladimir Putin's going to continue on with this crusade. So now that we consider his end game is totally different than just an economic one. This is this is moving the lines. I, this is, I think, first, a legacy checklist right. thing. My, yeah, my yeah, this is a legacy thing for him. His goal throughout this is to posture as irrational for wanting the lines moved to this pre-Soviet era ge geography. And then when you come back and say, okay, I'm accepting the geography of the current terms, but by the way, these, these certain territories are still, once again, uh, they're, they're a part of Russia now. Uh, they're, they're independent states. Uh, then he comes off as slightly rational. So, so he doesn't really have an end game at changing the, the geography. He just knows that if he initially plays this, it's the over, it, like, aren't you happy I didn't go that far? It's, it's one of those, uh, I, I feel there's something there. I think that if he had left it at the Donbass region, that maybe that boat floats a little bit more but okay. as we are taping this he attacked kiev yeah um so aren't you happy i left it at blah sort of doesn't work anymore either um and like let's be clear here like putin's absolutely the malign actor it's a whole whole cause for doing all of this is super tenuous. Uh, let's get into that. He said he's invading Ukraine to do a denazification and demilitarize or demobilize the military. Um, the president, of course, of Ukraine is a Jewish comedian. And 
the whole pretense that Putin even has the right to demobilize the military is really predicated on this notion that Russia ultimately actually has the right to oversee affairs in Ukraine in a way that no other country does because historical reasons. Yeah, I'm wondering if that is the lens that he considers overtaking surrounding territories, what other territories is he not considering overtaking that if he were if he were honestly using this lens, you could say, but what about what about A, B, C and D? I mean, uh, how no, many I think other- that's a real question. Where, where's the line? Is he going to go for Poland? Uh, you know, I brought up Moldova. I think Moldova is like legitimately uh, in play here. Like, uh, allow me to get the Ukraine map up real quickly. For if those. you're talking about uh, countries in this area with actual alt-right connections, let's not let's let's take it at face value that he he has actually found some some uh, alt-right movement in the ukraine that he is trying to squash okay so (laughs) again why would he have any right to do that right right (laughs) but but then what other countries have just as big of an alt-right movement as ukraine does russia Right, right. There's <laughs> Russia. There's Russia. Let, let's, of course, let, let's, not that, let's not turn the mirror that, that directly. Is that, is that staring into the cat's asshole? <laughs> but uh, I, I've, I've got to think that all of these countries could be wrongly associated in that way. And you should be able to make them objectively fear like, look, if, if you have anywhere near this little fringe element, Putin's going to say this about you next. Uh, and dude, the pretenses for this war are even flimsier than like the United States invasion of Iraq, right? Like at least like the United States of invasion of Iraq, the claim was bombastic and false claim, by the way, that the Iraqis had weapons of mass destruction. Putin's not even claiming that in his justification for invading Ukraine. He's saying that like the Nazi problem is so out of hand in Ukraine, the Ukrainians can't even muster the ability to ask for help on solving this Nazi problem. So, yeah, and it's so, up to them, like a good neighbor. Russia is there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that the lesson we're going to figure out through all this is how in the hell did the free world find them themselves find the, find itself in such a precarious situation to allow Russia to p- make this play to begin with. Like, like how did it become? It's a our hemming and hawing on NATO, right? Like, like uh, one of the biggest problems uh, w- and we'll talk about Trump, but like, I almost need to put him in a box because he's like such a bad leader and actor on this that like, you have to almost have a different discussion. Like you have like Obama and Bush and I guess Biden as an extension of that. Cause he was like, he was like basically kind of helping Obama out and on V as vice president, especially on the foreign policy stuff. Um, but like Bush and Obama were really gung ho on this idea of breaking bread and making nicey nice with Vladimir Putin. Um, you know, like remember McCain in criticizing Bush was like, you know, Bush said that he looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes and saw a friend and McCain was like, I looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes and saw KGB. Um, Obama was making 
light of the Cold War stuff, like Mitt Romney was on stage saying, I think like our biggest geostrategic threat right now is Russia. A statement that doesn't quite hold up to scrutiny fully, but like Obama was like, get out of the Cold War, buddy. And then like within months, within months of Obama saying that, I guess, I guess it'd be 24 months specifically, the Russians are invading Crimea, which is the middle step here between the Georgia invasion and then the Crimean invasion and now this. So like Obama's mindset on this aged really poorly too. I don't think the international community ever took the Russian problem seriously. And so there was never any sense of urgency, particularly on the United States part, whether it's Bush or Obama, to get Ukraine into NATO. And in a lot of cases, they took Russia's bizarre argument that Ukraine entering NATO is somehow aggression against Russia, and ipso facto, Russia actually has the right to keep Ukraine out of NATO. Um, it, they took that argument way too much at face value just to be able to say they were making nicey-nice with Putin. And then obviously, you know, if we want to talk about Donald Trump, like this is a guy who literally, as we know from the Mueller report, if the plan had been able to go off, would have had a ribbon cutting with Vladimir Putin for Trump Tower Moscow as the signature foreign policy moment in the 2016 campaign if that moment had been allowed to come to fruition. Um, like So like, it, how is Donald Trump, as president of the United States, ever going to meaningfully push back on Vladimir Putin if he's got a Trump Tower Moscow? All right, so I'm I'm gonna try and throw something at the, re relevant at you here that just is is a conversation I haven't heard yet. I'm trying to put the timeline of the Trans Pacific Partnership in with this, and is there anything related to this that because of no how... TPP is more of a China thing, right? Right, but I. I'm trying to think of because something dissolved, it allowed the power to. There's. There's just not enough here for me to understand why. There wasn't enough pushback. Uh, and I, I, I just mean, I just don't I, have I, it. The, squared the global up enough community's with... been really scared of Putin. And I, I like I think a better way of looking at this is so you're really trying to ask, how do we get here? Right. And I'd argue, how do we get here? Let's look back at like the last we'll go back to the Georgia invasion in 2008. We are all Georgians now. Um, that started. And since then, Putin has been doing little dinks and dabs and like kind of, you know, you had the nibble at Crimea. You had the the interference of the 2016 campaign. You had Putin get involved in Brexit in, uh, earlier in 2016 um, and, and motivate that. You had Putin poisoning the Skripals. Um, you had the uh, uh, MH... Oh, I, I get the numbers always mixed up. I want to say it's MH370, but it's the Ukrainian airline... The airline shot over Ukraine by the Russians. You have a number of these international incidences. I mean, using chemical weapons on British soil with and poisoning the Skripals is pretty substantial. Navalny getting poisoned. Uh, like, like the people falling out of the windows all the time. There have been a number of bad actor incidences that have been happening over the last 10 years. And what has the global response been to Putin? Nothing. 
Nothing. Uh, they didn't even get the sanctions meaningfully up. Only now are they meaningfully talking about sanctioning Russian oligarchs. So it has been 10 years of Putin moving the chains forward on how much he can step into your lane. I, I can use chemical weapons on British soil. Cool. I'm going to help out Marine Le Pen in the French election now. This will be the third election I've meddled in. Oh, you guys have a problem with that? Didn't think so. Oh, we're going to have our people hack into the U.S. power companies and that sort of thing. Any any response on that? No? Cool. Uh, oh, you guys found out about all, all of the uh, FSB, you know, Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear stuff. What are you going to do about it? Nothing? Okay, cool. We'll be doing that again. Um, And, and so, like, I, I kind of, like, how did we get here? Like, how do we get to the Putin just going, you know what, fuck it, let's just go for Kiev? If, if you're sitting in that Russian meeting room, what's the argument to the contrary? Like, I why the fuck not? Like, what are I, they going to do? Do we really? I, I, I'd call the West bluff. Yeah, I think in the element of our times that gives him the courage to do this is we're in a post Jamal. Is it Jamal Khashoggi? Uh, we're like. Uh, the the uh, the journalist who was murdered in Saudi Arabia. Yep, I, yeah, Khashoggi's I'm, actually. Khashoggi. No, you're totally right. Khashoggi's another a really post, a really important inflection point in this because he knows then that if if you're if you're in a certain position to just make the media disappear, and that's a precedence as far as. And make reprisal disappear. Yeah. I, I mean, the Khashoggi thing, they did that to an ally. The Saudis did that to an ally and the U.S. bitched out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and even when the Democrats got back into office, they still bitched out on doing anything about the beheading. I think that was a signal like, okay, now that now that that's how we know this play is going to go down, we can now treat the media and steamroll them with with a power that they have to respect like like this that this can get bloody and we we know we can get away with this uh, yeah I, I mean you know and you look at europe europe in disarray i think they actually think to this point putin was really smart in biding his time here uh, especially with the way he was sort of meddling in different elections in europe because european relations suck right now uh, whether and, and oh, don't forget about the Nord Stream two pipeline that the Germans bid on. Uh, another another key strategic mistake. So you had like the Germans, the French, and the Brits all very much at loggerheads right now. Different priorities, um, different levels of competency. Uh, when you're talking about Boris Johnson, um, uh, and so, also different levels <clears throat> of coziness with the Russians. Uh, like that. That's the. That's a sort of subtle genius here of Putin. So how'd he get here? He sort of moved the pieces around the board for about 12 to 14 years. And the most yeah. important part was during all of this, the dominant argument, the one that always won the day is tis better to do nothing than something. Um, and, and like uh, at the end of all of this, at long last, how do you arrive at a moment where a country is invading a sovereign nation and trying to take their capital? It's a pile of tis better to do nothing than somethings. Well, and when you are an authoritarian who can who can prosecute a 15 year timeline, 
and you can do it as your adversary has to do things every four years. And those things can be marketed uh, against themselves. Uh, it's, it oh, does the, make... geni the genius of playing the Republican Party against the Democrat on Russia, too. Yes. Right. I mean, oh, sad. Well, so speak before I get away from this, one of the moments that I think I witnessed as far as some genius on Putin's level, unfortunate, I, I heard I witnessed some counter propaganda of Putin. Um, uh, uh, getting all of these Russian border towns to evacuate out of the fear of the Ukrainian invasion. And so it's this, it's this Russian soldier looking at this grandma in the face and this grandma processing, oh, this is why I have to leave my town that I haven't left in 700 years because i'm 700 years old you know this, this picture doesn't even really do justice but, to the the disparity of scale between ukraine and russia right and so <laughs> this lady is looking at this soldier and processing like you can tell it on her face she's like i cannot oppose this and i have to look at him and somewhat take him seriously but you you could tell that there was a part of her face that was revealing I know this is bullshit. Like I know, and I have to do this, but oh my gosh, I <laughs> like, oh man, it, I, I, I'm going to do my best to find that. But uh, j just knowing that that's, that is how much a part of, of, of the nation that he is up for grabs as far as how he markets this. To continue on the how would we get here thing and the political crosswinds thing, I'm, I was thinking about that a little bit more. So obviously you have the massive reorientation of the Republican Party to become pro-Russia uh, that coincides with Donald Trump's presidential campaign. I don't have the citations and figures up here right at the moment, but I know I have pulled them up within the last two months. Like that is numerically true. I will prepare those and put those into the show notes. I, I, I want to be clear that I'm trying to stand on terra firma on that one for sure. So you have that. At the same time, if we go over to the UK, a place that I'm obviously a little less conversant on, it's not my home country, but you have a general weakness of the Labour Party. Um, Corbyn, for whatever good you want to say about him, he sucks on foreign policy. And like he, this, this whole build up to the Ukraine invasion, he was absolutely both sides and equivocating. And it leaves this real credibility vacuum on the left when it comes to speaking on foreign policy on this. On the left, specifically with regards to labor, not like all left. Um, but like Corbyn is doing a disservice to left politics in the 21st century. And that leaves a vacuum to be filled by, of all people, Boris fucking Johnson, who has massive ties to Russian government. And actually, like the whole Leave campaign of which he was a part had a lot of serious help from uh from russia particularly for nigel farage's party uh-huh yeah uh -huh. so and then we move over to france france right now you have macron macron is unbelievably unpopular um and there's no at least as best i can tell clear sort of like 
good alternative vision for how France should go. It's just Macron sucks and we don't know what else to do. Um, this is a, this is a Friedman like unpopular center uh, trying to hold off the wolves on the left and the right flank right now. Um, and then you go over to Germany um, and Germany has complicated relations. Merkel was always a little bit intimidated by Vladimir Putin. Um, going back to, I don't know if you remember the dog incident. Do you, do you remember the dog incident? No. Okay. So kind of give you like a little more anecdotal evidence of just the type of guy Putin is. So Putin is set to meet with Merkel. I forget the year. Um, but it becomes known to Putin that Merkel is terrified of dogs, that she was attacked by a dog as a child. So in advance of this meeting, Putin gets a dog and has a dog there with Merkel. You can find the picture online of Putin with uh, the dog and Merkel, and you can see how uncomfortable Angela Merkel is. Um, he's just been pushing this whole fucking time. And I, I it think- It sounds like something LBJ would do. Yeah, it is an LBJ type move. Uh, yeah, no, no. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a strong move. Um, it's I mean, it's a dick move. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, no, it's a, it's a dick move, but it's a strong move. A- and the thing is, okay, people keep going. Oh, it's a dick move. I don't want to be a dick. Okay, I get it, but the world has jerks in it. Um, and you have to figure out a way to deal with society and the world's jerks. And if you don't figure out a way to deal with society and the world's jerks, then the world's jerks tend to run ramshot, like, you know, roughshod. Roughshod's the word. <laughs> there, there we go. Ramrod, roughshod. I, I, th- there are many words. I know some of them. Um, they run roughshod, ramshod, uh, across across the world. Like, like, and I think we are now at a crossroads where we have to consider what response is to this action. Um, and I guess on one hand, frankly, like let's just say for conversation's sake that Russia had just woken up and decided to invade Ukraine. I'd still probably say you need to push it back. You need to push them back. Like Russia needs to be pushed back to their borders. Um, but we're talking about this is the third attempt at territorial annexation by the Russians in 20 years. Um, like, I think that it's high time the West has a conference with NATO, that horrible, evil organization, and the United Nations, which does not work very well, um, and figure out how they're militarily pushing Russia back into their own borders. Because either we have a post-World War II order or we don't. Like, this is the thing I've really been struggling with, and then I'll let you hop in here. Right now, we're in this weird moment, dude, where you have a country that is invading and annexing territory on a regular basis um, and has been doing so for the last decade. And you've got another country that is overseeing a massive ethnic cleansing. And those two countries are talking with one another. And, and yeah, they got historical friction and all that stuff too, but like the chatting with one another. Um, and if you sum up what those two countries are doing right now, the annexing territory and the ethnic cleansing to ensure a Han people for all of one, you know, one dominant correct Chinese race, um, you sum those together and you start to go, have we lost all of the gains that we got after World War II? Did we really backslide this quickly and 
less than 75 years? Mm. Um, yeah, and how how do we not give those two players the motivation to behave otherwise? Uh, and do we still care about that? And if we yeah. don't care, about, I, I guess I sort of go like, what is a leftism that doesn't care about territorial sovereignty and doesn't care about ethnic cleansings? Like, I, I why were we opposed to the Iraq war then? Like, yeah. what was, what's, what's the real art? It just seemed like a bad idea. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I, it obviously has to go back to, you don't have the right to invade another country. Like it has to start there. It there needs to be moral clarity rather than just well, it's a, it doesn't seem pragmatic. Uh, no, like it's so, worse than just not practical. It's evil. I, I'm thinking there's a sports parable that that's coming to mind here, but I I don't want to d- diminish the 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 talk uh, of the sports. All right, where, where are you taking me on this one? We're gonna take a knee. Uh, am I taking a knee? No, no. What What, what did, did you say? I no, I said, you. where are you taking me on this one? Where, oh, are, we, okay. where are we going? All right, no, there, there, I, 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 I fail to see how going Kaepernick in this situation is going to no. help me. No, 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 no. This is, uh, this is a recent uh, uh, topic with the Dallas Cowboys. There was a person in the hierarchy of the uh, administration uh, named, uh, I believe it's Rich Dalrymple. And this guy recently came out as um, just being a total creep. He was like taking pictures of the cheerleaders and like uh, he was a total creep. But then this guy, his position within the team was the fixer. Okay. When any team, when any player had a problem that needed to be shut up in the media, this guy would take care of it. Now, the problem is as far as this fixer having, kind of predilections that are you know uh unprofessional the problem is that you can now presuppose that the only reason the ownership didn't get rid of the fixer is because the fixer was fixing things on behalf of the ownership okay so i guess what i'm saying is when you have this kind of gets back to like the dnc rnc hacks of 2016 yes yeah like putin's got a lot like much like your dalrymple here Putin has a lot of dirt right. on world leaders. Right. And, and so and yes. so there and there are a lot of powerful people who like staying powerful more than they like doing the right thing. Right. And so we have a situation where Putin has found himself to be the fixer in some cases. And that's been okay in the past, but now the fixer has the predilection of you know uh claiming parts of the ukraine and the reason why you can't oppose this is because well he knows things or he like there's there there's there's interplay there's interplay that we don't know about and i suppose that's why i wanted to bring that up is is uh this is a cleaner conversation when when the good guys in, in the scenario have cleaner exchanges with this figure. And uh, we can just presuppose that there have been unclean exchanges. <laughs> that there's, there's, uh, there's, there's something that, that is, is uh, in, in one direction or another in many directions are keeping people from otherwise playing a stronger hand.
Yeah, I I think there are a number of different moving pieces. And, and I think that maybe gets us to the next part of the conversation of what then should be done about what Russia is doing right now. And there is the weird faulty argument that we need to mobilize troops out to Ukraine right now. And, and I think when we say mobilize troops, the reason I say it's a faulty premise argument is we may indeed need to mobilize troops. But like, who are we talking about? We're talking about mobilizing the Air Force. We're not talking about doing a logistical push to put tanks out there. What you would need to do essentially is make it so that the Russian tanks can't operate. Um, the Russians have chosen to put a bunch of tanks into Ukrainian soil. Um, you now have a couple of different options on that. You can hit them with drones. You can hit them with planes with missiles. Um, there are any number of different moves, but I, I think Russia has to meaningfully be pushed back. Um, I don't necessarily know that we need to recruit anyone new into the army. I, I think you essentially at this point have to call Putin's bluff. How much is Putin willing to raise the, you know, raise the temperature on this? Yeah, like, okay, he's invaded Ukraine. But is he really willing to risk a full-scale war? Does he actually have the at-home support of his people to justify an invasion of Ukraine when he clearly comes off as the bad guys? Um, I, I have serious doubts that Putin can actually maintain national resolve for a real war against the West um, based on the premise of, well, no, we actually have the right to invade Ukraine and we should be doing it. Come on, people, join in. I, I think that answer will be better understood once the initial answer from the um, fuel markets, uh, it, once it's better understood how a barrel of oil is affected by all this and how how effective the the plan b's go in the sense of not dealing with russia we believe we know how effective well, the, the these... wheat thing is actually probably going to be the bigger factor here the uh what? wheat oh wheat yeah okay yeah wheat's going to probably be the bigger issue um Wheat prices already going up. Russia and Ukraine, I think, combined for 25% of global production of wheat. Um, so this war is going to be unbelievably disruptive to that part of the global economic process. Um, that, that, I think, is going to be an interesting question, too. Uh, and I think you bring up uh, another interesting topic, which is... Uh, the West needs to take stock of who's on team the West and who's kind of like playing both sides. Cause there are countries like India, like Israel, Israel, who now just finally stopped hedging on the notion that invading um, a territory is an improper. I, Israel equivocating on the invasion of Ukraine, considering what Israel has been doing to Palestine uh, for the last however many years is and, and how Israel would ever feel if their territorial sovereignty was if it, it was it impacted in any way or encroached upon in any way by any of their neighbors 
Yeah. Really beggars belief that they spent most of the week here sort of saying, well, both sides need to, you know, own up to this and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, I, India is I, also I, kind of equivocated on this. And I think like there needs to be a real stock of like, who are the problem actors here? So I, I don't know if this was a Jin Saki uh, uh, response, but someone asked a Saki bomb. <laughs> oh, no. Someone asked, what is the timetable on this? And the immediate response, which you can tell was the Biden administration official response is this timetable is still predicated on Putin. And I somewhat have to push back on that response because there are two variables here. There's the midterms occur when they occur, and then there's the price of gas. And, and if, you, if you tell me upfront that those two variables do not play into all of this, and you're telling me that the price of gas can be anything in October, I disagree. I just don't think it, I, I mean, what you're bringing up here, if they're thinking like this, go back to your earlier point about the advantage that Putin, the authoritarian, has had over the West for the last 15, 20 years or something that she has. Not having to deal with this stupid juggling of political concerns. Um, yeah. And if the White House is really paralyzed by that, I, I, I'm with you. The price of gas is not good, um, obviously, for the Democrats' reelection prospects. But, like, let's go ahead and just assume that the midterms are not going to be good for the Democrats at this point. They, they yeah, mishandled. And they, but, like, that and that was baked in the cake way before this Ukraine thing. Um, that, that they mishandled getting all of their legislative agenda passed the bipartisan infrastructure bills not actually really popular no matter how much democratic partisans try to yell at you that you actually like it um all of the good stuff that was supposed to be in that bill that would be stuff that you could run on isn't actually in the bill because joe manchin killed it they the response on COVID 19 has been for the Democratic Party way worse than I could have imagined, uh, making me legitimately question how much worse Trump could have made it. And the answer is probably substantially worse, but like actually having to make me ask that question, um, not a good sign on their performance. I just think that that I mean, in the Supreme Court nomination, which is far from a guarantee at this point, all these things sum together to make you kind of go like, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I like I, I don't know that the Democrats actually had much of a chance of getting reelected anyway. So like at well, this point, the best thing that <laughs> Joe Biden could do is kick Russia's ass yeah. and be like, I kicked Russia's ass. Vote yeah. Biden. Uh, like, no, I, I this is America. Yeah, no. it, 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 I know. I know. Like, that's not going to be, you know, music to the ears of lefties or whatever. But like uh, I kicked Russia's ass. Is going to be music to the ears of a lot of Democrats and even some Republicans who are pretty squeamish about the way Tucker Carlson is literally making content that is so favorable to the Russians that the Russians clip it and use it as state propaganda. Yeah, and if you're if you're a leftist who is feeling uh, uh, awkward about this, uh, maybe you caught the press conference where Jen Psaki, like her or not, fielded the question. And Chris, I would love to hear your response to this. We were told at the beginning of the Biden administration that the number one threat to our country is climate change. Do you still agree with that? Is climate change still the number one threat 
to our country. Now, if what did she think, say? Uh, she had a very meandering answer that basically said, I don't have a new answer to that question other than what we said. And, and it was, uh, yeah, I, you should, she should have just answered. I don't have a new, because like the, the real answer, if we want to expand, this but, is not what her job would be. And like, don't right. get me wrong. Little Miss West Wing is not like my favorite human being in the world or anything. No, like, not mine either. Uh, but like the answer here is okay. Ukraine's a problem, but like Ukraine's not actually a real threat to the United States. Unless Vladimir Putin chooses to go nuclear on this. And if you no, but I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is this is day one of Fox counter messaging. If you don't think it's going further in that direction, just to pull the left apart from the but center, that, I think it's going <laughs> to fracture Fox too, right? Like, like this whole. I don't know what it's going to no, do. No, 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 because like really Tucker care. Carlson's not going to toe the line on that. Like, like Tucker's made it very clear that like the the real ghouls in your life are these stupid liberals who are trying to get you fired from your job for saying sexist things to your coworkers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, like like. It, Tucker Carlson is not going to get on board with the idea that Russia is a bigger threat than climate change because he doesn't think Russia is a threat at all. But if I anything, also think Tucker Carlson we, would be like, we need to be worried about pollution. They don't care about the, the environment. I notice America's getting much dirtier and there are like dollar stores everywhere and people litter. So if you cared about the environment, maybe you'd clean up the environment. But instead, they're lecturing us about climate. It, maybe it's an intentional effort to weaken the country. Maybe they just don't like America. He would literally say we need to focus on things at home. That's like the classic anti-war in air quotes, stupid, dumb, dumb anti-war uh, things like, let's just stay at home sort of thing. So the the, the two things I noticed, and I uh, again, I appreciate you once again, commanding me to keep consuming all this right-wing media for the sake of the show. Uh, the other, the other <laughs> fucked up with me, honestly, but like, yeah, no, keep doing it, please. The other thing I noticed was on the Newsmax feed, they were already dunking on how much less traction now the Supreme Court nomination is going to receive. Like, however it goes, now that this whole Ukraine thing's going on, he's not going to have any sort of media brownie points due to this whole process. I wish... Joe Biden knew how to walk and chew gum. I, I wish I believed that Joe Biden was ruthlessly competent enough that he could get Kentahi Jackson Brown onto the Supreme Court quietly with like, no, because if he did that, I'd be like, Fuck yeah, Joe Biden. All right. Fuck yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Let's go. Um, I guess you're saying they have too much of a point. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I but it's them uh, celebrating. The refrain it. I them... often say is, "Be the Democrats, the Republicans say you are." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just if they're gonna say this about you guys, anyways, just be it. Um, it's clearly the thing they're the most afraid of. They're the most afraid you'd act like that. That's why they're trying to preempt it. Um, what they want is for you to be like, "Oh, oh, you don't want us to do that." Well, then instead, we're gonna be weak and middling. <laughs> how, do you, how do you like that <laughs> gotcha <laughs> like <laughs> I owned you yeah. buddy okay uh so all right um what other topics do we need okay you know what we need to talk about um i i do think this is actually probably a meaningful place to edit i brought up the shit list and how tucker's got to be on it but Man, there are a bunch of people on our side of the aisle uh, who 
have been so wrong on this Ukraine thing that I think the argument for like unfollowing them. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not a canceler. Like I, I don't care. I'm not saying I'm not going to be like cancel Hassan. That's stupid. Who cares? That requires energy. Unfollow him. Do not give Hassan Piker any more of your energy. Uh, why, why that guy? Um, I mean, dude, all the way leading up to the the very moment of the Russian invasion, Piker was like, this isn't going to happen. He was blaming the U.S. and doing this both sidesy crap that like, yeah, I remember the U.S. has been antagonizing Russia for years. OK, the U.S. has been antagonizing Russia for years, and that justifies Russia invading Ukraine because what? Um, and, and then even after Russia invaded Ukraine, Piker's on on his feed. His very well watched, like over 40,000 live viewers. Um, and I mean, he's like way bigger than Bosch or any of the other bread tumors. He's on there and saying things like, oh, Russia's going to minimize casualties and that sort of thing. Doing the, the, this unbelievable apologia and equivocation for R- Russian imperialism and Russian invasion. Um, that you could never imagine him doing for the United States. And frankly, if any leftist ever did for the United States, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? Um, like, the, the, Unfortunately, Piker's not alone on this, but I, I don't know if you've caught any of Piker's content. No, thanks. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I'm just, yeah. I, I can't, I can't do it, man. Um, other people, uh, Jacobin, um, uh, even after... The invasion. I I I gotta I gotta read the, the Jacobin stuff because like the Jacobin was like sort of stunning to me just because even after they were like, yes, indeed, Mr. Putin doesn't in, indeed share some blame for what he's doing, but let us also make sure that we leave a little bit of extra space for the West here and their antagony and stuff. It's like, dude, like we have to stop. Well, yeah, yeah I I did hear a lot of let's let's uh let's stir around what could be happening in the ukraine while we don't think about what we definitely know is happening in russia uh it there was there was uh just you could tell conversationally when 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 those sorts of conversations are comfortable it it doesn't give nearly the speculation on both sides that they claim to give. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, like there's sort of a negative American exceptionalism that exists. Um, the negative American exceptionalism being that like the United States has this unique monopoly on war crimes, imperialism, capitalism, even and like corruption between business and the state. Um, and Frankly, as you get better versed in the way that countries like China, Russia, and, and those are the big ones, but even these smaller ones that are kleptocracies, uh, many of which are post-Soviet states, you start to realize that, one, capitalism runs amok in all of these places that we might assume are like lefty and pure because they had a communist period. Um, and also that... Like the United States is maybe a little more, well, not, not ideal, middle of the road, uh, a lot, a lot of room for improvement, um, especially like looking at Trump's like most recent getting off the hook here in Manhattan. Dude, there's a lot of stuff I could talk about domestically here, but these other countries that you might hold up as a vanguard, whether it's Cuba or um, 
Venezuela, I guess, or, or Russia or China or whatever. Like, they're not so great either. Uh, many of them are, are and, and all of these countries are capable of just as many evil acts as the United States. And, and mostly it's a question of opportunity. Um, and I'd go oh, the- even further here in my presentation earlier in the show and say that in the case of Russia, especially under Vladimir Putin, Putin has shown that he is interested in doing more evil than any United States leader, including Donald Trump, the one we all hate. This is the crowd to sum up why I can't really engage with them. If Medicare for all was passed tomorrow and you wanted to high five them as an incremental high five against capitalism, they would roll their fucking eyes at you. Because that's what it really is. If if Medicare for all passed tomorrow, that is that is an anti-capitalist victory. Uh, it's just not supplanting capitalism with communism. And w- when you are someone who can't even have a conversation about how things could get better with A, B, and C, but the fact that your only end game happens with tanks, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't really have anything to talk about with you. So, like, like the phenomenon of, like, Jacobin and Hassan, um, the disastrous Majority Report episodes on Monday and Tuesday, to be clear, Majority Report, great show, still recommend it, love it. Emma and uh, Matt Binder on Monday and Tuesday really could have used Sam Cedar there, and I think Sam Cedar would have pulled them back into Realityville, um, and instead they put out some real embarrassing content. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of what happens there is like we I mean, look as a progressive, there's a lot of things to criticize about the United States. And I think it's sometimes so easy to do the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing politically or sort of the negative partisanship thing um, where, like, you know, actually to do a different example, the Canadian trucker scenario. I think it's possible to get too on board with Trudeau's response. And again, like, my day on the Canadian truckers, this is very tongue-in-cheek, but, like, I, I, I'd detain all of them and be, like, vaccinate or sterilization at this point. Um, but, no, I, like, m- more seriously, uh, it, it's it's definitely possible to look at Trudeau, like, say, let's say, freezing all their bank accounts and be way too eager to support Trudeau doing that um, while still like opposing them i I just think negative partisanship really blinds people um this worked with the republicans they were so thrilled to see hillary clinton get owned that they didn't care that it was being done by like the historical enemy of the republican party all through the 20th century which was like the russians um like it didn't matter that was vladimir putin a guy that they had been well conditioned to be against um i i think their flip as much as trump's charm offensive had something to do with it. I think it had as much to do with the idea that, well, if Putin's attacking Hillary Clinton, maybe Putin's an okay guy. Uh, I, I think that thrall of negative partisanship is really, really strong. And I think that's a lot of what's happening with the left right now. Um, I, I, you know, I think, yeah, critical. I, are there, are there, I'll go one step further. Are there maybe probably more than likely a, a number of these actors uh, that we see online that are fairly big left accounts that are loosely on the payroll of Russia as in they're getting money indirectly. Yeah, I, I actually do think that. And I think that if uh, we see the United States crack down 
on RT and people on the RT payroll, it'll be real interesting to see which accounts really whinge about that online. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it might make you think they're financially tied into something or other. Um, so I, I think that that's not what I think is happening with Majority Report. I think Majority Report, it, Emma Viglin, good person, like her. Um, I, I think she just basically has been so taken by negative American exceptionalism that in this case, fail to see what's going on here. Um, Jank Uger's bizarre ass. I mean, did you see Jank Uger's comments? This, this dropped right before we got on the show here. Um, but I, no, I gotta mention, I, he, no. he basically said the reason the Republicans like Putin is because he's white, which is asinine. Um, I, I mean, does it help? Sure. That's not what's going on here. Uh, it really isn't. I, like, I, I get, like, sort of the negativistic construction that, like, would the Republicans like him as much if he was an African strongman? No, um, no I, but, like, Africa doesn't have nukes either. So it's like, you know. I think what... I, think I was talking about this in, in, the, in the chat earlier. Uh, another thing I saw, I, I definitely heard on Newsmax that I haven't heard them doing too much before is calling it Putin's military. And I do think they are super jealous of of being able of not being able to say trump's military because you can't say biden's military because that's a pro thing like you don't want to give biden that credit as being newsmax you don't want to give him that power you're just going to call it the u.s military but they like the authoritarian capability like the rhetorical uh, communication of calling it an individual they love saying putin's military and and i you know me. I I believe in the, in things like that and connecting. That's the whole reason I that that I. Oh, no, it's all of, it's all about you know. certain key phrases, right? Like like yeah. the 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 dra- If you see the word draft, that that's sort of like a way of hooking you into one discussion to avoid the other stuff that we opened up the show with. Like, what is Putin's end game here? Why is he doing this? How did we get here? Um. Now all of a sudden we're just talking about. Well, I don't want to go and fight a war and like like that, but like. You're not. You're like I, I. You're listening to this podcast right now. I'm taping this podcast right now. Later, I'm going to go and teach some guitar lessons. You're going to go and do what you're going to go and do. None of us are going to go and fight this war. It's not going to be like that. But we can still all care about it because it actually matters when we think about what we want our foreign policy to be, um, and, and what we also think is morally right and morally wrong. Um. I, to go back to the bad actress thing here, let me let me pop up some of these like ridiculous quotes. Uh, you got the Jacobin one. Vladimir Putin is ultimately responsible for whatever horror he unleashes, but save some outrage for Western governments who chose to make war inevitable by refusing to compromise. That is bending it as much back to the West doorstop as possible. That's like. Okay, well, if we can't do it 50-50, is it okay if we do it 55-45? Yeah, what what is the what is the play that it wasn't inevitable? It was not inevitable. Russia could have just not sent the fucking tanks. Russia could have just not funded the separatist movements. Russia could have not funded the militias. Um, this is not inevitable. Um and and like I no, I I mean this sort of leftism needs to get pushed back against hard because this foreign policy is disastrous it's killing the movement um 
You don't, we do not want to be flanked by the dopey center on this shit. We spent so much time arguing about how this dopey center is not up to the task and the challenges of the day as evidenced by 1-6. Only to have all this fucking stupid backsliding because we got to say both sides are responsible when Russia rolls tanks into Ukraine because like, because it's got to be relativism every minute of every day. It can't ever be anything with moral clarity. Like, there can't be... The guy who's swinging the fist can't be the bad guy. There has to be a reason, a deep reason, why the angry man's swinging his fist. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But, like, let's start with the disposition that the fist swinger is the bad person here. Um, the force user is the bad person. Um so speaking of that, uh, what are we going to hear uh, at a, a upcoming CPAC conference that's going to pull the left in that Tulsi Gabbard's going to say? Oh, Tulsi Gabbard's already dropping some apology here for Russia, too. Uh, what, what, what did uh, Little Miss Scumbag say? This war and <laughs> suffering could have easily been avoided if Biden admin and NATO had simply acknowledged Russia's legitimate security concerns regarding Ukraine becoming a member of NATO which would mean U.S. and NATO forces right on Russia's border. So again, uh, basically echoing the Jacobin sentiment that the U.S. and the West made war inevitable here, that Russia had no choice but to invade Ukraine because Ukraine was not a part of NATO, but could have been at some point in the future. I, I mean, all right, to, all to, right. Your, to your point, I guess I get why that section <laughs> of the left liked Tulsi Gabbard so much. They sound almost identical to one another. Um, identically mm -hmm. wrong, might I add. Identical to Tucker Carlson. Identical to the guy whose show got clipped up on and used on Russian state media. Since the day that Donald Trump became president, Democrats in Washington have told you you have a patriotic duty to hate Vladimir Putin. It's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. Anything less than hatred for Putin is treason. Many Americans have obeyed this directive. They now dutifully hate Vladimir Putin. Maybe you're one of them. Hating Putin has become the central purpose of America's foreign policy. It's the main thing that we talk about. Entire cable channels are now devoted to it. Very soon, that hatred of Vladimir Putin could bring the United States into a conflict in Eastern Europe. Before that happens, it might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? Did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is he teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he making fentanyl? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So why does permanent Washington hate him so much? There needs to be discussion what force and what response looks like to Russia. But like, if you're really a pacifist, I think you owe it to your listenership to really thoughtfully consider the price of pacifism here, the price yeah. of peace, because the price of peace might be too high. And also, oh, I remember what that other guy said. I can't remember his name, though. Um, it was this idea that like all of us are sitting in our ivory towers and, and talking about this conjecturally and how it's all abstract for us. And I, I sort of think for a lot of these pacifists, it's all well and dandy to talk about pacifism when it's not your way of life getting absolutely shattered by an invading force. Um, 
No, if, if, if it's my way of life getting invaded, I'd actually, one, want to fight back, and two, want someone to give a shit about me. All these people who've always said, oh, human rights, human rights, human rights, I'd want someone to stand up with me. I wouldn't want people to sit down silently and go, not my fight. I'm, uh, I'm curious when this conflict is over, will the left have a better or worse sense of itself just based on how typical discourse goes? And I, I know there's going to be some, uh, I could realistically there's going to be this... some re-racking, but yeah, I could see this really being the beginning of a like four polls sort of a lot, like still two parties, but basically four polls. Um, or maybe even more than that, but like really n no longer two camps, but like much closer to four where you've got, I, I don't even like call it, I I'm going to call them the Chamberlain left and the Chamberlain right. Like, I'm not going to give them anti-war. They are, they are handed overs. Um, like, like, cause they're not actually, cause to assume to, to say that their strategy results in no war sort of gives them credit, I don't actually think they've earned here. And I think actually oh, every okay. day as things progress, um, they're actually in favor of war. What they are is not in favor of, like, they're going like Pontius Pilate on this. Um, like, Jesus still gets killed yeah. at the end of the story, uh, but they're washing their hands of shit. Uh, dissolving requires an effort that they find is is uh they're either incapable of or is is a part of the whole war process yeah no being anti-war yeah. actually means being willing to I, I mean okay when one country wants to invade another country if you're actually anti-war you should be pro the defense of the country being invaded like like it, to me it, it, unless if anti-war doesn't mean that anti-war actually doesn't mean anything yeah it it, it also means you're you're capable enough of a diplomat to keep you out of it. Right. And the U S isn't capable of that. Also, it's like, it's one thing for your classmate to shimmy sham away from a fight while you're getting your ass kicked. It's another thing for the principal to do it or the yeah. assistant principal. And like right. the United States in terms of global stature is much closer to like a teacher or like the vice principal, maybe yeah. the principal at one point, like the principal that's now the vice principal. I, you know what? I, you complete your analogy, however you're like people. I don't give a shit. You're, about you're that. more than a security guard. Yeah, you're, you're not like the classmate. You're like, oh, I don't know. Let these two kids fight it out. Uh, <laughs> school bullies just taking the lunch money. Um, and, and oh, by the way, even if you were just a classmate, you should stand up for your fucking classmate. Like, yeah. I, I, this is who I am as a person. This is what I teach kids to do. This is how I got myself in a lot of trouble in, in my younger days. How I'll probably still get myself in trouble in the future. Um, like, you, well, is this you stand the up to bullies. Is this the difference between anti-war and pacifism? <clears throat> yeah, I guess the pacifist just gets hit, right? Like, yeah, but that's not even a sign as like a tactic in, in the sense of like, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't I, know. Like, like you almost want like, like the acquiescent in, in a weird way. It's because it, it, it's just like, 
let it happen. It's going to be what it is. I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to call them Andy War. I think they've lost that designation at this point. Um, I don't know what designation we want to give them, but these people are actually pro-war uh, because a position like this, like a position like Hassan is taking, assures that Moldova is going to get invaded in the future. If you're like, well, look, the Russians have a point here. They're worried about NATO, blah, blah, blah. You're basically doing all the pavement work to justify a further invasion into another place, another attempt for the Russians to reclaim territorial sovereignty. So, I mean, I think that's the other way I'd say they're not anti-war, that they're actually making arguments that help make it easier for the war makers to make war. They may be like, I'm against using guns, but also let us remember that China has a claim to Taiwan. You got got to hear both sides. Actually, in in this case, is very very dangerous. And 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 by the way, got to hear both sides is an argument that Felix Biederman of Chapo Trap House, who uh is equivocating hard on this shit, uh and and, and in an irony soaked way. But let me read his little blurb here. Uh, the game plan since '91 has clearly worked. Looting Russia blind and creating a deep resentment, followed by nonstop military expansion, has kept them from committing any bold acts. Uh, like it, basically in, in, in a sarcastic tone, echoing the Jacobin Tulsi Gabbardist line here. Um, no, I, I, I think, look, uh, those people aren't anti-war. Uh, what Felix Biederman's saying there is basically justifying Russia's war making. So they don't deserve the mantle of anti-war anymore. They are pro-war like, like alt pro-war. Like, like I, yeah, alt pro-war. Is that it? <laughs> I, I guess that's gonna the, catch on like wildfire, baby. The push and pull is this, from my perspective. From from, if I'm trying to get in their heads, but remain rational. Uh, I so, the purpose of NATO is so that you can at any point take care of something like Putin without having to ask any one specific nation to come up with the defense in order to take care of any one or multiple aggressors. And so if we were in the position where NATO was stronger, Putin would then have to consider NATO differently and maybe this neutralizes the war but then you're giving power to and i know this is uh uh this this goes into the new world order tropes i suppose yeah where... the new world no i'm like i'm at double I, nato I, uh, no like brian i'm like i want like super nato at this point I, like, like I, ne I never has the argument you... for nato been yes. more compelling I, I i was nato ambivalent eight to ten years ago going like this maybe is a vestige you know I, I i kind of wanted to think we were at the end of history too i'm millennial um but like no, now I'm like, no, NATO good, more NATO, double NATO, extra NATO, triple NATO on Tuesdays. Um, like, like, no, lots of NATO. I, I guess the conclusion I'm at now is that we are not at an equilibrium with NATO. And, but also, who was to ever think that we would have got this right to begin with? Uh, like, this was... 
if this is done honestly, and I suppose that's the big leftist if, if NATO is done in good faith, even if everything is done in good faith, you're going to get it wrong many times as far as having the right amount of power, as far as flexing the power at the right time. Um, you're going to think you have it right immediately, and then you're you're going to need some sort of amendment process, or or else you're really not you're you're not going into this whole thing honestly. Uh, it's it is okay to fix this. It's okay if it needs fixing. Uh, I, I I don't know where else to go with that, but. Um, Look, I, uh, I, I think what I want to happen, I guess we can end here on this. Uh, what I want to happen at this point is I want Ukraine to immediately be admitted into NATO. Um, I want NATO to respond on the Russian tanks and invasion and push the Russians back into their border. Uh, at this point, I want total and complete sanctions on all the Russian oligarchs especially on on RT. Uh, no, like they, they crossed the line here. Uh, and either we have a post-World War II order, one where we like war criminals being put on trial and held to account um, for what they've done. We like ethnic cleansings not happening and we like territorial sovereignty of countries being respected, or we don't. And does the United States have some blame for the erosion of that international world order? Sure, absolutely. But that's yeah. not what's going on right now. Right now what's going on is that Russia is assaulting that international world order in a way that meaningfully needs to be pushed back by the United States, yes, but like more broadly, and, and it really this is not... I don't want the Bush-like, let's go it alone sort of bullshit here. Because this needs to be all hands on deck for the rest of the world. Um, yeah, China's going to say, I don't think it's an invasion. But like India, yeah, they need to actually grow a fucking pair and get on this. Israel, don't know what the hell they were doing. Glad that they're on the trolley now, but it apparently took more conversations than it should have. But the rest of the world needs to basically be like, no, Russia, you're like actually not allowed to do this. And you're going to become a pariah state. Um, and countries that do business with Russia um, and, and that block, uh, I guess Russia and China now, because they're like loosely aligned. And again, that's not really the West fault. Uh, China had a choice here in choosing to call what Russia was doing an invasion or give them rhetorical cover. And China is choosing to give them rhetorical cover. Cool. Um, but like the West needs to have a unified front here now. Um, yeah, especially so, when you have one sixth of the world's landmass in Russia getting in more chummy relationship with another massive country in China, both of which are nuclear armed. This has to be a Western response and it has to be a strong one. So as far as the unified front goes, uh, Biden is now receiving a, a response and mostly criticism for the for his initial uh, what is it called a tranche of a. Uh, his initial uh, uh, sanctions and how weak the, they're they are. pretty, they're pretty so, weak. Yeah. Yes. And so of those sanctions, what things could have been fielded by NATO if NATO was structured differently? And if there is some sort of. Well, you do of... need an international coordination of sanctions, too. I, I, that, that's important. Right. Like, yeah, the, like us just sanctioning Russia is only part of this. You actually have to 
crack down internationally and then go after the black money sites god damn it like cyprus like the bank of cyprus like there's so many of these panama papers like organizations that we know are just out there that the russian oligarchs have been using for years up to and well, including bitcoin so part of the reason why biden's response had the potential to be weak is because the sanctions that he just the initial tranche the the initial tranche that he just did should have been something that nato engaged and that would have pushed biden to push whatever the second tranche is it would have became the first and i'm not saying that would have been better but it would have been a superior hand to play but instead the uh, biden was given the opportunity to play a weak hand and so he played it the administration's handling of this so far has been perplexing um real quickly before we get into that what do you want to happen with uh, the ukraine situation have you have you thought that out at this point i really don't think i have a an amount of knowledge to where i know how this should end but i it does make me curious as far as um what occurred in the history of the ukraine to where the borders changed to begin with like the these borders that that putin wants respected that haven't been respected in so long when did those borders actually change and why and what's the history behind Not that? 91 uh i mean no you, you as, no as far as the the separatist regions that used to have a pre-soviet geographical outline that that's that's the the connection that i don't quite understand i okay. i think i think there is some relevance there like he he's he's wanting oh, but like the, I, I guess yeah maybe but like he's attacked kiev the capital of ukraine at this point like what should be the response oh okay um as far as the end game here you can't I mean, we've got the do nothing option and we've got the do something and then fill in the blank as to what the something is. Um, but well, like, what, there, should, what should the Western response be to this? I guess plan A is oppose Putin directly, which I don't think is ever going to happen. And plan B is to oppose those who deal with him despite all this. What would you how, do? How do you best oppose those who... See, I, this is what makes me think that there was some sort of... Do you assist the Ukrainians in pushing Russia back to their borders? Yes. No, I'm trying to think of what is the, the, the consequence after all this. Yeah, I no, I, 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 right. No, I, I mean, like, like, yeah, but like that to me is like ultimately the question here is like, like you either let Ukraine fall or you assist the Ukrainians pushing them back to the borders. And I think, no, after that, it's going to be a spider's web uh, of effects from there. Um, right. I, I get I thought that was your real question there. No, not, not no, as far no. As I, on it, on, no, because like, dude, like, I think you can you, you arrive at paralysis by analysis thinking yeah. too hard about do nothing do something I, I like at, at a certain point you like the question is russia has invaded ukraine it's not just about like the outerlying 
provincial regions. Although, again, I I would still say like, look, that's I mean, in, in the wake of Crimea, probably something that should be discussed. But like, I, I'll, I'll also concede that it's qualitatively different once you're invading Kiev, the capital. And that to me, like to me, it just seems like ignoring that open handed slap to the face. Like, I, I, you know, it's it, it, it's just it's it's someone making a snide comment about your wife or something. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just one of those where it's like, you know, if it had just been a, a pot shot at me, whatever. Um, I don't actually think I can let you take saying what you said about my wife slide. Um, you insert the comment there that's offensive enough for you. Um, like, nice wife. Uh, and, and, and extend out the sentence from there. Um, it, like, I, I, I think the real question is, do you let Putin assimilate and annex Ukraine um, or not? And if you say no, okay, cool. Uh, I, I'm, I'm there. Um, and then it's like, how do we do that? Uh, I, I just, I, I can't get myself to a place where Putin takes Ukraine, the Ukrainian people who have had their own country, many of whom are in their thirties, like I am, who have lived their whole lives free are now annexed and now living under the oppressive regime of Russia um, and like feel like, like letting that fall was the right thing. Yeah. For, for that crowd, I have yet to hear the argument of, and that's why he'll stop at Ukraine. Well, yeah. And and then like, lastly, I mean, another, another point here is the, entire premise of denuclearization a a, a subject that very often the same section of the left that wants us to be nicey nice with russia is always like oh we need to denuclearize don't you understand one of the biggest problems is we have all these nuclear weapons well it's a very like cold war sort of thing jill stein would talk about this right you remember um we gotta get rid of all the nuclear weapons well there is no more damning one-two punch to this get rid of the nuclear weapons argument than the gaddafi precedent where we got Gaddafi to give up all of his chemical weapons only for him to end up dead with like a spike up his ass or something like about half a decade later. Uh, and, and then now Ukraine, where we got Ukraine to give up all of their nuclear weapons only for them to fall. They probably would be territorially intact right now if they had the credible threat of nuclear, like raining down some nuclear fire on Russia. The compelling argument at this point um thanks to the United States and Russia, and this is the only time I'm going to both sides it. Um, thanks to the United States with what they did with the Gaddafi, and I guess to a lesser extent Saddam too, uh, in a way, um, and what Russia's doing right now with Ukraine, the argument has never been more salient for Kim Jong-un, that lunatic, uh, who is absolutely starving his own people and letting them suffer at the hands of COVID. No problem. Never been more salient for that guy, wedged in between China and Russia to get some nuclear weapons to make sure that he at least has something to bluff Russia and China with. Don't be be America thinks that Kim Jong-un's trying to launch nukes at us. Um, And I think it's pretty clear that like the whole, I want to start a war with the United States things, a way of like faking out Russia and China, who are the ones who need to be legitimately worried if Kim Jong-un gets a nuclear weapon. I mean, the more you think about it, who who is that nuke really for? Is it really for the United States? 
we're, we're so American exceptionally obsessed that we think that it's like China's going to use North Korea as the proxy state to launch the nuclear weapon at the United States. Whereas I think there's probably a much better argument that the North Korean vanguard um, sees it as a strategic importance to have a nuclear weapon so that China and Russia don't just come in and knock down that little fun Juche vanguard that they established there. Mm. No, I think that's teach. That's takeaway. That's the takeaway. Yeah. Get nukes. If you're a small country, up your nuclear weapons program because Russia and China, they are meandering around the world. They're looking for deals to do. They got the Belt and Road Initiative. You got Vladimir Putin with his history lessons thousands of years ago into the future. I <laughs> uh, don't forget about the United States. We're not exactly the greatest actors in the world. If you're a small country, you need to get yourself some nukes because the uh, Russia, China. Even the United States and the West, we're coming and we're in a medal and you're bullshit and you better be ready for it. Um, like that's the teachable takeaway moment. And if the West doesn't want that to be the lesson, then that's the price here. If you're someone who thinks that getting rid of nuclear weapons um is a really important project for the world, almost on par with climate change, Ukraine now becomes even more relevant and salient to you. Um, the defense of Ukraine, the sovereignty of Ukraine becomes even more relevant and salient to you. And if you're someone who cares about denuclearization but somehow doesn't want to get involved in Ukraine, you really have to ask yourself, what does the denuke project look like in a Ukraine has fallen world? I yeah, can't imagine uh, it. Anti-war and anti-nuclear are definitely two different things. Uh, that And this is a subject which kind of pushes that upon you to to distinguish yeah uh, and well i mean if anything it makes the mutually assured destruction argument uh, if ukraine falls the mutually assured destruction argument becomes not quite ironclad but goddamn compelling uh something short of ironclad i'd put it at compelling um but it's one that would move people so i i, I just think I think there's a lot of reflection that needs to be done on the left and we need to get our shit in order because like, look, at some point, I would like to take another crack at breaking the back of the boomercrats um, and their Hakeem Jeffries and the people that the boomercrats would hand off to be the boomer vanguard of the Democratic Party. But it's going to take a progressivism that is way smarter on foreign policy. And also has new things to say on the domestic front, which we'll talk about at a different juncture here. But like, I, I mean, I am watching this right now and I just find my head in my hands as some of the loudest voices on the left, like look like goobers. I mean, Vosh is a leader on this. However you feel about Vosh, that guy is probably the top five in terms of most right on this issue right now. And if you don't like him, you really need to think about that. Uh, I, I just, I, there's so much, because like, obviously we're never going to run Vosh. God help us. You can't run that guy for office. But there needs to be people on the left who actually have cogents on this. Uh, it can't be up to the dopey center who failed us so many times to be providing the insight. Uh, Crystal and Sagar had... And they were equivocating too, but they were more salient and more right on this shit than Hassan was. We got to do better, man. Uh, I'm not, 
fuck, I'm not leaving the left. The fucking conservatives are monsters. Like, look, look, look what they're doing with the, do with the trans bill and shit. That's not, that's not what's on, went on here. We needed some of these people. Those people are not our friends. Some of these people, we, we can do better. Uh, you know, let us hold ourselves to higher standards. Brian, do you have any final thoughts here? This is, uh, this is overwhelming. That's my, that's my final thought. And, uh, I'm going to try for it not to become so overwhelming. I'm sure there is a way to get through the aggregate here, but my goodness. Um, <laughs> all right that's gonna do it for this episode don't worry about the government my name is chris Novembrino. you can follow the show at dwatg we're on patreon patreon.com slash dwatg a buck a show is all i ask and that means if i'm putting out one show a month that is like a buck a month so if you can support the show please help me keep the lights on here i am working presently yesterday Wednesday was my first day off in, let me get my calendar. Uh, that was Wednesday the 23rd. I actually had like a legitimate full day off. It's the last time I've had something close to a day off. We'll call it, uh, let's, let's say, uh, January 31st when I only had two lessons was the last meeting. And, and I guess Friday, Friday the 11th. Friday the 11th and January 31st were my last two like meaningful off days uh, as I check my calendar here. Um, they're just not in, in as much, uh, not in as much supply as they once were. So please help me keep the lights on here. I love doing this show. I just, you know, it, it I just gotta, gotta keep making sure it makes sense. Um, not like donations like wildly down or anything like that, but like if you've got a buck a show, and I mean like a buck a month, please. I, I really appreciate it. I know there are like literally hundreds of people listening to the show. So if you can, that'd be great. Cause then that means I could probably justify blocking out a day here and doing it more. Um, like I'm looking Fridays, but like if I could get the numbers up on this a little bit more, I might actually take another day of the week, like offish during the middle of the day. So I could actually get episodes out. And at this point, I'm kind of at a point where I need to make all that stuff make sense. Um, it, it's a good problem to have. But I'm just like letting you know the lay of my land right now. Um, so otherwise, it's you know, every two or three weeks we're still gonna be getting a show out. I, I have not given up on caring about politics. I'll tell you that much. I think about it a lot. Just tends to be in car rides and that sort of thing. Patreon.com/dwatg. It's also where you can get the video cast too, if you want to see the video versions of this show, uh, and also hear the audio versions of this show generally three days in advance of uh when i put it out on the main feed so support the show and you get a little bit of extras um i i will hop on there and do some patreon exclusive uh, dude i need to do like youtube videos for guitar and stuff i what i need is like, an extra day of the week halverson and i don't have it um where can people find you on the internet brian officially at uh at postman retweets at postman rts I am uh, doing my best to wrap up a big, big project, and uh, it's uh, th thankfully the the, uh, the the engagement on my Twitter feed is, is not the thing that's, that's stopping me from this. <laughs> no, that's never been a problem. For, don't worry about the government's Twitter feed. <laughs> so I, I, I hope to produce something of, of substance as, as I've been working on something for quite a while now, and uh, uh, but I, I appreciate the continued queries. Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I will give a quick update on the EP. Uh, I got the master back on the leadoff single. Um, so leadoff single is done. We're tracking the vocals 
for the second track and then the third track's music is drafted we're going to take another pass here looking for a release date sometime in the middle of the june may drop the single here in the next six to eight weeks so uh everyone be on the lookout i'm i'm real excited y'all have heard this track before but you have not heard this track before in this way you guys are basically going to be like oh i remember that little bed of backing music and and like now you're going to hear it in like it's like fullness and everything with like additional guitars and stuff stuff on there that was not on the one that has been the backing bed on don't worry about the government but like this is very much something uh and actually this whole ep I i'm very excited about this for all y'all in the sense that this is music and you get you've heard my drafting work on this for years um and now you'll actually get to hear those drafts take into fruition with uh, a great singer singing on it uh, a great rapper doing additional vocals on it um guitar work and meaningful mastering and post-production and stuff like I'm, I'm trying to make like a piece of like real high art here um and for all y'all uh it will be a, a fun tie into this don't worry about the government journey because like all this stuff for me is all interconnected it's all it's all just part of the same unit so anyways i want to thank you guys so much for being part of that journey because very literally this ep would not sound the way it does if this music hadn't been part of don't worry about the government and if some of y'all hadn't been like oh i like that track and those sorts of things actually have meant a lot along the way here uh so thank you all for always listening thank you all so much for listening uh, to the music, to the show, and until the next one, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.